You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons, out of Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. And for Bits and Pieces, episode 67, the continuing adventures of audio routing in Windows, because it's terrible. So it is what, terrible. What new nightmares do you have to share with us? Um, actually, I feel like the nightmares are almost over. Yay. <laughs> At least the sleep paralysis is over. Maybe there's still nightmares. <laughs> we we went through my audio shenanigans with routing and live streaming and I talked about finding or I found a VST plugin that basically did the following. I put it on one of my audio channels and it pipes the sound to a virtual audio device on Windows, like a recording device or output device, which gets routed back into another device. So then I can tell, say, Skype, hey, you don't want to uh, have my webcam microphone. You want this cable here. And then from there, it like transports the sound. The problem with that thing was you can configure it with like buffer sizes and like how CPU intensive is it. But for some reason, it skipped a few steps in the buffer size. It skipped from <laughs> 2048 right down to 512. 512, oh. that was two too little of a buffer so i got crackles and pops 2048 i got one second one whole second of delay and oh, right geez. in the middle there it would have been totally okay but it didn't have that option and i don't know why i i got i went so far that i opened this thing in a hex editor trying to figure out like where is this list box can i list can i modify this list box to force it into that option and it didn't work so ex explain to me because all of your listeners are extra lucky this week because I'm a layman about most of this. So explain to me why the buffer size causes crackling pops at the low end and gigantic latency issues at the high end. <laughs> so the buffer size is basically a part of the memory of my computer where it says, okay, so we've got this range of, uh, of, of space of, uh, yeah, RAM space. One software is writing audio data into that. Like it's, it's a ring buffer most, most of the time. Sometimes it's a double buffer where it's like writing audio in there. And when it reaches the end, it starts writing at the beginning again, or it switches to the other one and just like switches back and forth. So you always write in one and read from the other. And now the thing is the, the larger it gets, the bigger the distance is between writing the audio and listening to the audio. Imagine you have a tape ah. with two different heads. The farther you space them apart, the longer it takes for the audio you just wrote on the tape to reach the other playhead that's supposed to be playing the audio. So the bigger the buffer, it gets more stable, but there's a big latency. When you shrink the buffer, the latency uh, yeah decreases, but your computer has to definitely deliver this full buffer of audio before <laughs> the other software says, hey, give me some new audio here. And the way I described uh, last time, my, my webcam then started interfering with that process because Logitech doesn't get their drivers to, to behave <laughs> properly, uh, properly. And so once you go to a certain buffer size or below a certain buffer size, the computer, which should be capable of that, just can't keep up anymore. And right in the middle, the two, uh, 1024, that probably would have worked fine, but not an option. 
And does that have, I assume, has something to do with also the quality of the audio you're sending? So if, if you were sending a MIDI, you could get away with a smaller buffer than if you were sending, you know, super high res 24 bit. Yeah. It also, yeah, like 24 bit and or 16 bit makes the difference. I already had it set to 16 bits because that audio was piping through. It didn't have to be recorded. I didn't care about the bits that much. Right. So I, it was the lowest I could go to make it work. But still last time we recorded, like I, I did the clap test when we started Skyping today and you said everything was fine last time, not fine at all. And <laughs> I did a live stream with that. I looked at the recording later that day, uh, later that day. And it's like, wow, my bass playing does not match up with the melody at all. And it's like Ugh. a second apart. Out of, uh, I, out of sheer luck, I found a different plugin that does exactly the same thing. And I want to give them a shout out. Um, the company, or maybe I think it's just one guy. It's called Odeus, like the god Odeus, um, audio devices or audio plugins. And, um, it's basically the same kind of device. It's a VST plugin. It sits in my Ableton on my master track. It's like, Hey, that audio, send it here to this virtual audio cable. I need a reverb on that. <laughs> And for some reason, without any configuration options, that thing has like 30 sec 30 milliseconds of delay. And that's almost inaudible. It's tolerable for most applications. Yeah. Unless you are finely tuning music, that's going to get you through the vast majority of your needs. Definitely. So that thing was very easy to set up. The experience you're describing sounds very similar to, aside from the fact that you're doing it in Ableton and not at the OS level, sounds very similar to kind of how you would do this on a Mac. I know Mike talked about Audio Hijack and he talked about uh, Soundflower and um, Loopback, mm -hmm. which all, they all kind of are solving the same program, which is like, hey, imagine if I was a separate audio device. Now pay attention to me instead of to a real physical audio device because you don't know the difference. And I wonder how much of that is a technological requirement and how much of that is user experience. Like it's easier for the person to understand these in terms of physical boxes. Like Here's box A and box A is sending audio to box B and box B is getting audio from A, but also from box C. So if I'm listening to, on box B, I should be hearing A and C like that. That's a very obvious and understandable metaphor, particularly it's a if sensible you, abstraction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you get ins and outs. That's all you care about. And then you patch them together. That's right. all you want. But I but wonder if, if we get this to a really clean, low level of OS support, will they still bother with that? mental abstraction or will we get some kind of dedicated you know tech uh terminology that now it's like oh it's a uh, you have to connect the florgan to the flipperty gibbet and then you get audio <laughs> i would be okay with that if the latency is fine and i don't get any crackles <laughs> and pops and then up next the webcam issue also logitech get on that yeah so you have i presume an external webcam this isn't yes. like built in your monitor no, yeah. no, no, no. um is it is it like one of those 30 dollar jobs no, it's actually a $70 webcam. It's a good one. Like we wanted this for the art stream. So we wanted to have good, a good picture with good colors. Well, and, and now that I've asked that stupid question out loud, the drivers are probably not that different, right? Like the, the physical hardware has a better lens or a better sensor or whatever, but uh, maybe even a better microphone, but one camera to the next, the drivers themselves are probably pretty identical. Um, knowing Logitech, yes, because I remember vividly how <laughs> I used the iToy webcam as a web, uh, the iToy camera as a webcam on my old Windows 98 computer. 
uh, by just <laughs> switching like a serial number around from one of the other devices. It was like a repackaged one. So yeah, knowing Logitech, it's probably the same thing. They just deactivated some autofocus things on lower models, probably. I know that uh, audio hardware and video hardware producers have zero incentive to standardize on these things. But I mean, this is something that Apple seems to be getting pretty right um, with core audio and do they call it core video? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, but at, at least with guy. audio. Is, yeah, I, I use a Mac all day, every day, and I have no idea. So let's just pretend it's called core video. But um, saying, I don't really care what you think about the world. Just give me noise, and then I will send that noise places, whether it's a speaker or recording software or, or combinations of these things. Um, that means that Apple is now heavily incentivized to make that tunnel as efficient and and powerful as possible so like if i make a, a logitech webcam or i have a connect or i have a built-in webcam or i'm piping data in from my phone because like you can you know cast a device uh those all are just audio and video streams period and then i can send that audio and video around wherever i want it to go and i kind of wonder like maybe logitech should um get closer to the hardware where they convert the signals from the microphone and the lens into commonly understood bit streams. And they don't try and write drivers that function at the OS <laughs> level. It's like, no, no, the OS should just know what audio and video is. Just send audio and video to the OS and the OS shouldn't even care where it's coming from. <laughs> So what I've already figured out is there are kind of different video standards. I don't really know the correct term, but there's like uh, XJPEG and, oh my God, what's the other one? RGB24. And there was a different one, uh, a third one. And in OBS, you can switch between them. And what I figured out that with XJPEG, I can get 1080p very reliably with little to no cracks and popples. Uh, cracks and popples. Uh, <laughs> pops and crackles, of course. Um, so I had this latency monitor running and when I switched to the other ones, like it jumped to red instantly and my audio was just <laughs> garbage, total garbage. So it, it already makes a difference, but, um, again, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. I already made sure that my audio interface and my webcam, they are definitely in two separate USB, um, I don't know what it called, like there's USB controllers on your main board and they usually come uh, like yeah. with two. So they're not, they're not plugged into the same USB manager. So they kind of don't interfere that much with each other, but still it's so much of a problem. And the weird thing is I didn't used to have it with my old audio interface. What's up with yeah. that? Uh, yeah, it's see th this is all stuff like as, as an end user, when you're looking at your, your tower, you're thinking like, well, I need to get a USB extender because I need to make sure this is always plugged into the USB port over here. And this one's always plugged into the USB port over there so that they're on different controllers. Like you just should not have to think about that. Absolutely. Like I have a little crappy, we don't even use it anymore, but I have a little like ghetto custom built server upstairs. And when I do need to log into it, I plug the mouse into the one USB port that I know will recognize the mouse. Because <laughs> for some reason, if I plug it into any of the other like six USB ports, it's like, I've never seen this mouse before. And then it fails at driver installation. <laughs> 
So it's just like, you know, I know you know this mouse. Like, why do you only recognize it if I come through the side door, but it's not if Windows I'm standing server, at the right? front door? Well, it's a Windows box. It's yeah, not even Windows, Windows box. server. I just mean like yeah. it, it's running Windows because Windows always had that yeah. problem. I used to have... I know, it's crazy. I, I used to play with our band. We used to carry my computer there because we ran everything through there. And since I had so many USB controllers, I always took a photograph and made a little diagram of this USB plug goes in here. This one goes in there. If I ever switch them around, I don't know that device. Ableton, do you know that device? Nope, this is new to me. I don't, I've completely <laughs> conf- uh, forgotten all your configurations. Welcome to Windows. Yeah, that, this is, this makes me think we're still earlier in the days of digital music than we like to imagine we are because it's if, just because nobody talks to each other yeah. <laughs> but i mean could you imagine like if you were setting up on stage and you had a a one-eighth is that what it, the one-eighth jack like the yeah. full size you have a one-eighth jack and you and accidentally it's, I think it's quarter though this one quarter inch you're right yeah the, the big one yeah, one eighth is the the little one. But if if you had a, a quarter inch jack and you accidentally plug that into the left side of the the amp instead of the right side, and the amp was just like, oh, sorry, I don't, I don't know, I can't make sound, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like, what? No, just just work. I can plug three different instruments into you. Yeah. Any of these ports should be fine. That's the fun thing about cables. Some of those cables, they really carry the same kind of signal. They're really honestly just shaped differently. But it's the yeah. same thing happening underneath. But this is, uh, we don't have to do a whole thing about USB, but I mean, this is like the whole problem with USB-C is USB, everybody thinks of USB-C as the shape of the head, but it's also been like inextricably intertwined with the USB 3 and 3.1 standard. But you could have a USB 2 cable that has the the, the symmetrical pill head shape. And I mean, wouldn't it be really frustrating if you were like, oh, I have an audio cable. Oh, no, wait, this just looks exactly like an audio cable, but it's actually an <laughs> Ethernet cable. And you're like, why would you do that? Which, by the way, they use Ethernet cables to transport audio. Uh, <laughs> and you can do network over HDMI, but nobody does it, which is like... <laughs> we're in protocol hell right now. Oh, God, we really are. This is why every time you watch a movie about the future and every, all the technology works so seamlessly, you're like, I don't believe any of this. Nothing is broken yet. So one thing that used to be broken, but it has been kind of fixed now, and I got to give props to Spotify. We like to love, hate Spotify on this show. Mike and I both use it. We've kind of dabbled in other services, Google Play Music, iTunes and stuff, but we always come back to Spotify but there are some UI UX problems that they have and they just don't seem to care about them. But recently I figured out they, they solved one of those problems that I always complain about. So, um, next to every song on Spotify, you have this little shish kebab menu where you can have like share this somewhere, add this to your queue. And usually when I listen to music on Spotify or yeah, on Spotify on the go or at home, I don't click on a song to say, Hey, play this now. I always tell it to, Hey, queue up there behind the other songs. I want you in like five minutes, but right now I want to keep listening <laughs> to this song. And so what used to happen when I hit that Chishkwap menu, either I missed it too far to the left, the song started playing, or I missed it too far to the right, and the scroll bar appeared and took me to a way different part of the same screen. 
and it was just like the hitbox was so small you could not hit it with regular thumbs and i was not in the mood to modify <laughs> my thumbs just for spotify <laughs> they solved this now they are so they are hiding the scroll bar if you're not scrolling in the first place and once you start i believe scrolling or you swipe from the right then it appears so at least that problem is solved and now i will know so once i am commuting again uh commuting again um, I will take notice of, will I still hit it too far to the left? But at least, at least half of the problem is definitely solved. And by next episode, I can tell you if the full problem has been solved. Thank you, Spotify UI, UI designers. So this, I've noticed, uh, whenever I hear you guys talk about Spotify that, uh, you have to kind of be at the edge of what these services can do in my mind to really prefer one from another because there are some quirks in like the Google Play Music interface, but I don't interact with them nearly enough because I, I basically listen to music in like one of two ways. I have one song on repeat as background noise while I'm doing something else, or I'm listening to like an entire album cover to cover. So the like, you know, oh, that, that song that just came up on the radio was really good. I want to add that to a playlist and I want to thumbs up this other thing. Like, I do those things, but it's so infrequent that the experience would have to be nightmarishly bad <laughs> before it would like make me consider changing services. So like, I know you guys, you experimented with Apple music and Spotify and like Google play music and, and kind of been all over in my mind, Google play music is the fringe benefit that I get from paying for YouTube red. <laughs> like I really, really want YouTube red. Cause I am now married to not seeing ads on YouTube. <laughs> We can talk about that. I would love to get onto YouTube Red in the combination of Google Play Music if they add that here in Germany, but they don't. They typically don't roll these things out until like years later when they are almost at the cusp of uh, ditching the service again. But I would actually yeah. like to support more. So I use YouTube in the way that I have an ad blocker, but I disable it for most of the channels that I watch regularly. So if somebody, if I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm sitting here, I'm scrolling through our videos. I just want to watch those videos real quick. But if I as a YouTuber that I regularly watch, I watch their ads. That's not a problem to me. And at the same time, I would pay for YouTube Red to support all of them and not see ads anymore. But that's A, not here yet. And B, Google Play Music alone is too expensive. So Spotify is a little bit cheaper for me since I'm still a student. But even after that, I would probably stick with them because of all the uh, recommendation engines, which really works well. Then again, um, sharing it, uh, sharing Google Play Music with Lars on the family plan, that could almost like, that, that would make them both the same price, but then I'm losing my recommendation system. So I'm kind of at home at Spotify. But again, since I'm paying for it and I use it so much, I take the right to complain to them on Twitter when their UI sucks. <laughs> and there are still many spots where it does. Yeah, and this is shocking to me because you know like google play music and apple music and and uh they they just don't like this is not their main thing spotify is not doing anything else it's like oh well you know our our the ui in our our mobile app isn't great but the ui in uh oh wait no we have nothing else all we make is this music application <laughs> it's kind of like come on guys like aren't there any designers who want to work for a hip music company like Get it together. And so, uh, because of a different problem, uh, not really a problem, but a setting I wish I would have because they used to have it is, uh, setting the cache 
you can only tell it like, oh, put the cache over here on this hard drive where it doesn't garbage up my SSD because I don't need music files on my SSD. They load instantly anyway. Um, <laughs> you cannot set the size of the cache. And frequently I, I use Windestat to like check out like who's hogging that space on my hard drive. And it's like three gigabytes of Spotify cache. I'm like, I don't need that. I always have an internet connection. <laughs> don't cache that much audio. I don't want to know how much they cache on my, on my phone. And again, I went like, I, uh, because I was talking to somebody from the support of, of Spotify anyway, I was like, Hey, by the way, you have to have this option. And I, I just told him like, really, I love your service. I love using it. Sometimes I just wish there were third party apps. I know there are hacky ways to do it and I will refrain from doing that. And also, of course, the Spotify support told me like, oh, you really shouldn't do anything with those third party apps. <laughs> and I completely understand why. It's It all probably has to do with licensing and piracy and big music labels telling them, hey, you can only stream music through your service. Like, don't allow anything else. But again, protocol hell. Why don't we have an open audio streaming protocol and... Instead of logging in, I since I am paying a customer, I have like a token, an auth token, and whatever app understands your streaming protocol, I just put that token in there and then no, I'm a paying customer. This is me. I'm authorized as Matt Duncan on Spotify. Just give me the audio. You're not going to play me ads anyway. I don't it doesn't matter. I don't look at your app. I just want the music. Let me use it, this is, Fuba or VLC. This or is no question a licensing issue because yeah. the very first thing that a third party app would do would be give you access to the cache. So now you essentially have downloaded fully tagged album arted versions of anything you could listen to on Spotify. That would be feature number one. Somebody would just make a player that streams everything and saves it permanently on your machine but my point is this since i am a paying customer and only, let's say only paying customers only subscribers get that i'm going to stick with the service anyway and even if i then started collecting all those tracks like once i say okay i've got enough now let's end the subscription but i still have all my files i'm not able to get new files i'm not able to get new songs and that's why i'm on the service to quickly listen to new music music i've never heard before and i lose that when i do that so i have an incentive to stay on the service to keep paying for it but i totally understand like some people would abuse it i just don't see like torrenting is easier than that searching for oh, yeah. song name dot mp3 on google is easier than that yeah no the it is st copyright and licensing is staggeringly stupid tv and music are kind of in a constant battle for who can be dumber and more annoying about it. Um, but I, I think music might, they might have the victory because most people are of the mind that you pay for either cable subscription or HBO or Netflix or whatever. And that's how you get access to stuff. But music didn't used to be that way. You went to a record store and you bought a record or a tape deck or, you know, tape cassette or a CD or whatever. And then you owned that music forever and you could do basically whatever you wanted with it. And the switch to streaming made it much more like cable television where it's like, well, you can have access to your music, but it's not really yours. And so there's the licensing models and, and the, the, the contracts are just all based around physical objects that you go into a store and buy and they haven't really updated any of it. And it's, it's nah. a huge mess. So on the show before you and Mike have done, 
FX plane where you guys explain some, some cool, like, uh, audio effect. Um, I think we've done like chorus and reverb and, yeah. and, uh, or just general audio processing, like filters and equalizers. Yeah. Um, which was useful for me because despite the fact that I edit audio literally every single week, it's spoken word and not music. So there's like tons of stuff that I was like, Oh, that's how that works. That's how that thing that Mike set up once for me that I push a button on and now a miracle <laughs> happens. Um, <clears throat> but I have an audio hardware question. Um, how the hell does cable shielding work? And why am I the unluckiest person in the world when it comes to audio interference? So the, I guess those are two separate questions. <laughs> um, number one, I don't know, wrap it in a blanket and keep it away from harm. Uh, don't put it in the microwave. <laughs> good, good. I'm taking notes here. No yeah. microwaves. Um, <laughs> no electrical engineer. I have to, this, this, this is my disclaimer right now. Um, I know I pluck this thing in the other thing and sound travels through it. I understand some of, uh, I understand the, uh, technique of balanced cables, but once you get to the level of, uh, electrons flowing through a copper wire, it, yeah, I didn't take that course yet. <laughs> so the, the issue that I'm specifically curious about, um, anybody who's listened to flipping tables recently has probably been exposed to this. Uh, hopefully people who are listening to bits and pieces won't be exposed to this too much, but I have had for the last few months, uh, these bizarre issues where no matter how isolated I make my audio setup, something is interfering with it. I've changed interfaces. I've changed microphones. I've changed cables. I have changed the hardware that I'm recording into like the physical MacBook. Have you changed homes yet? I haven't changed homes, so it may be something that, you know, my house is haunted. I don't know. I've changed position in my house, though, but I mean, it's, it's you know, if it's some kind of radio interference, then that can just be going through the walls, and this is what I, I cannot fully wrap my head around is, what the hell is making this noise? Why is it only picked up sometimes? Why is it sometimes picked up for an instant, and then other times it's multiple minutes of interference? <laughs> like, it's... It's it's staggering. What to is me. the noise though? Is it like a hum? Is it uh? What does it sound like? It sounds. I actually I have a clip on SoundCloud that I, we could throw in the show notes. Definitely, but yeah. You can hear me speaking, but it is so even the silence is so distorted as to be <laughs> the 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 audio is unusable. Like no one is going to listen to multiple minutes of like horrible crackling and distortion. So, um. When it happens for just an instant, then I'm sure most listeners, you know, people who are used to listening to podcasts, like chalk it up to a Skype issue. And it's like, oh, I just heard a little Skype blip, but it's not. Skype has nothing to do with this. You, you're hearing locally recorded tracks that we mix together after the fact. So, uh, I, I threw this out to a couple, uh, communities on subreddit and I was like, Hey, uh, audio, like professional audio people, someone explain this noise and why the hell I'm dealing with it. Despite the fact that I've changed all these different things. And there were certain people who held up the torch of like, this is definitely what it is. And I was like, no, I have accounted for that variable. I don't understand how it could be that. And I wasn't telling them like, no, you're dumb and wrong. Cause obviously the problem is there, but please tell me how these steps do not account for that variable. And then they usually disappeared. And then there were other people who were just like, audio engineering sucks. It's all voodoo. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> I was like, Great. 
I, I remember seeing that thread and I remember I, I heard it, but I don't actually remember what it sounds like. Could you, maybe you can, uh, live send me the link to the SoundCloud so I can check it out again. Maybe now I can, maybe now I figure it out on live on, on the show. That would be fantastic, but I doubt that. No, there's, uh, a tons of things that can interfere with your audio that are very much invisible to you. I think the best thing you can do is have everything shielded, everything that travels through a cable, have it be a balanced cable. So the problem is, I mean, first we would have to identify, and maybe you have already identified it, at which point in the chain does the sound occur? Does it, is it already uh, there in the microphone? Is it when it travels through the cable? Is it the interface? Have you tried different interfaces? Like that's probably the first thing I would have to check out. So I just sent you the the SoundCloud link in uh, in Slack, um, and and this is I have I have not had the time to do this in like lab conditions where I am a thousand percent positive I've isolated every single part of the chain. I know I have isolated every single part of the chain at one time or another because I like I can think back on things that I've changed, but I haven't done it in lab conditions where I'm like do this now do this now do that now do this other thing. Um, and the, the thing that makes this so insidious is that it's inconsistent in frequency and duration. So sometimes it'll happen for like just an instant, like a fraction of a second, and it just sounds like a Skype hang up. And then other times it has been double digit minutes of audio where like whole, there's, I, I can't remember the exact episode numbers, but there's a couple episodes of flipping tables where the entire end of the episode is fake. Like all of Mike's <laughs> track is authentic. And then I have to re-record my own dialogue <laughs> pretending to react to him after the fact and then insert it into the episode. It's, you know, so it's, 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 I've used different hardware at each parts of the chain, uh, from the mic all the way to the laptop. So the mic, the cable, the interface and the laptop has rotated, um, you know, at each in different pieces. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and because I don't know exactly what's causing it, it's difficult for me to set up the circumstances I would need in a lab environment to put the noise on the track. And, and everyone who said like, oh, well, it's your cell phone ringing or it's an iPad, you know, checking for a Wi-Fi connection. That makes sense for like the microsecond blip, but like the double digit minute, like the 10, 15 minutes of garbage ruined audio, like it definitely doesn't account for that. So I listened to the sound again a few times. And the first thing that I noticed that it really sounds more like a, a problem that occurs once the audio is already made digital, once it already is converted from audio to digital, because this sounds like, um, I don't know, have you boosted the volume of this or is this like if the error uh, happens or it doesn't happen, the sound is still the same volume. It's just the garbage happening or does it also uh, you, drop in volume? So, so what you just heard is a completely unaltered. Okay. Like that is, that's the, the file as I pulled it off my computer. I, my, my best guess is it happens once the audio is already digital. So it happens somewhere, um, either in the step where it's converted from audio to digital or when it's traveling through something, but that can, for example, be again, driver issues or something. Um, it kind of sounds like, and, uh, maybe we can get a little bit <laughs> into the digital realm again in, bits and pieces ha 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 um <laughs> it kind of sounds like you're completely destroying the bit rate of the audio file and then boosting it up again 
Um, that's the kind of noise it sounds like. And I will try maybe when, when I edit this episode, I will try to kind of reproduce this effect because then we know like this, this is what happens. Um, so, but it so, definitely so me, does not sound let me like, give you, yeah. let me give you this final wrench that this is the part that makes me really want to rip my hair out because several people said that does not sound like a hardware issue. Like, cause a lot of people were like, dude, your phone's ringing. And every time your phone rings, it makes that noise. And and I was like, no, no, because people had samples of cell phones interfering with audio and it sounds distinctly different. It sounds like, I remember that very distinctly. And here is the part that drives me mad. So I typically on my end record with audio hijack. Um, when I, I was testing something, I don't remember why, but I was testing something where I was like, Oh, I'm going to record directly into logic. And it, it happened in audio hijack and it happened in logic on multiple occasions. So I was all set to throw audio hijack under the bus and just be like, it's audio hijack's fault. And I'll just use something else and screw you audio hijack. Right. Even if audio hijack wasn't to blame, but it was interfering with something else on my machine, but no logic was also having the same kind of problem. And then the, the, the knife, uh, you know, duct tape to the other side of this wrench is when I'm recording flipping tables and I'm talking to Mike over Skype, he can't hear this happening. Okay. And it's definitely an audio, a uh, digital issue. <laughs> but then why is it getting onto the recorded track, but it's not making it to him? Buffers. It's buffers all the way down. Damn it, buffers. <laughs> So if it, if it actually is what I am assuming it is, which is, it, it kind of sounds like a bit crusher. Uh, what I could imagine is there again with the buffers where it writes like the audio data in there. If you offset that by just a few bits, what happens is that the audio gets gobbled up in that way where it kind of still sounds like what you're saying, but then you get this, this. Yeah, crispy distortion in there. <laughs> I would I would describe it that way. You know, we <laughs> musicians have a way of describing tones. It's a very crispy distortion. It sounds like a bag of chips. Um, a bag of crisps. And maybe some part of, I know, audio hijack or some kind of drivers or somewhere where the audio gets tri- uh, uh, transferred from one buffer to the next because the buffer I described, there's usually more than one. Like there's one in the software, like one on the channel, one on the master sound, one on the output, one uh, on the OS level, one in like in hardware on the sound card. So it gets tref- uh, transferred from one to the next. There only has to be one in there that fucks up and kind of shifts it around for whatever reason. Maybe in some kind of for loop, some developer didn't check for null or something. Um, <laughs> it kind of sounds like that. Because you said it happens sometimes for a short amount of time, sometimes for a long amount of time. And yeah, it's definitely not a hardware problem because a cell phone is, I don't think it's powerful enough to exert that kind of distortion or interference on, on an analog signal because everything around you would also get the same problem. (laughs) Your television would display the same problem. Yeah. Hopefully my, my phone and my tablet aren't just sending out gamma radiation (laughs) into the surrounding area all the time. Although that would, uh, I'm sure if I went on to the right conspiracy theory forums, they'd be like, no, dude, it's your iPad. Your iPad's giving you cancer. It's ruining your podcast and it's giving you cancer. So what could happen is that Skype actually accesses the, the 
very first or let's say second audio buffer that the audio travels through while audio hijack grabs another like one behind that or maybe the same one but audio hijack has a problem in there um maybe it happens between audio hijack and the uh the what were you calling into pro tools logic uh so so if i'm using audio hijack it actually writes a file so ah, it, okay. it, it pulls in the audio and it writes directly to a file. And then I've also recorded directly into Logics where Audio Hijack wasn't involved. Do you hear yourself while you're talking? Have you? Do you have monitoring on? I do. And I have never heard that noise in the monitoring. Then it's definitely Audio Hijack. Uh, well, it's absolutely well, Audio Hijack. But wouldn't it also have to be Logic then? So it's something OS level? Because if I had the same problem in Logic as Audio Hijack but not in Skype. So it's something that's happening after Skype has pulled in. How are you monitoring your signal? Is it coming it's, from... It's, it's direct through the interface. Yeah, that's why you don't hear it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That has direct monitoring. Okay, screw that then. <laughs> so, But yeah. I mean, you're you're making a compelling argument that it's something that's happening after the signal is in the computer, not along the physical hardware. And the fact that you now have told me that skype and other audio programs could potentially be pulling from different audio buffers is so deeply troubling to me <laughs> because i cannot imagine how it, i will so, troubleshoot so that. they should be pulling from the same buffer because there's no reason to to have multiples multiple inputs to pull from um there would be in windows where you have direct sound you have mme you have wasapi you have asio you have like all these kinds of protocols where um grabbing audio from different points actually is like it's, it's in a different point uh, at a different place in the ram now i am not familiar with core audio but uh from what i've heard in that it's actually typically better it should be a lot more stable but apparently it's just very unstable um has this happened? Yeah, it's, I don't know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to replicate, uh, this with your audio track that you can send me and maybe we'll figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, I, I would love that you get a track for me and it's completely clean. But on the other hand, I kind of hope that there's a part that's messed up so that you can hear it and then <laughs> figure out what the problem is. What I can promise you is that I cannot undo it. I have stuff to like, get rid of some sort of clipping but that kind of distortion unless it is the bit shifting offset maybe i can do it on the on the bit level but i afraid i'm afraid i don't have time for that this week until wednesday to edit this show but no, maybe no one no day. one should have to do hex editing to their mp3s <laughs> to, to bit shift the the buffer no this is that everything hey, that i just said podcast. sounds like it's, you better send me an uncompressed wave file you yes, you will get an uh, uh, an AIF. I think it records an AIFF. Yeah. Or do you can you use AIFs or do you need a wave? Uh, actually, Ableton prefers AIFs. Okay, there you go. Yeah, which is funny because Logic is the opposite. You can use wave files in Logic, but you kind of have to be like, "Hey, please acknowledge that this is a sound file." <laughs> then it's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Nah, so we don't have to turn this into a, a whole thing about podcasting, but um, but boom was a thing, and you shut it down, or it I, shut I down shut with it your down. yes, you I shut did. it down. <laughs> it shut down with your stuff on it. So what what was this? Because I've um, never heard of this before. Uh, yeah, it's it's nothing, uh, really. So it was one of those wah, um, wah. streaming services that um kind of happened 
think two years ago, last time I heard of it. Um, it was founded by Kim.com, but soon he left or something. Like, Kim.com is the kind of guy like, hey, here's a new service, buy. Here's a new service. Oh, people from China bought it, buy. And um, I, I imagine most of his time goes into not going to jail. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he started this music service that was supposed to like music streaming service for the artists. And like you get a bigger share and what title? Basically the same thing title promised. Um, yeah. And I kind of try, I said, hey, why not? Let's get on there. It doesn't cost me thing maybe i'm gonna make a few bucks with it i don't know i don't care let's do it and um actually one of the developers i I was briefly in contact with with one of the guys and he was like yeah cool upload your stuff and i'm like yeah but it's all work in problem work in progress um i usually like update the mp3 files on bandcamp yeah you can do that with us all right i'm on i'm on it i'm on board and um i stopped thinking about it um, I, I think it was half a year ago, the last time I got a payment through PayPal of like one and a half bucks of streaming, which <laughs> is not nothing, but I yeah. kind of forgot about it. And then the other day I was like, Hey, there is in my bookmarks, there's this thing called Baboom. Let me, Oh, service not, uh, what is this? It's gone. <laughs> and without any announcement, there is no news article I found anywhere on the internet that, that described what happened the only thing you can find that acknowledges the existence of baboom is a wikipedia article that says it's discontinued nice. no press statement nothing um i don't think they're about uh sending that dev a tweet and asking what happened um but yeah so for everybody who uh, usually follows this in uh looking for new streaming services baboom is out of the question now sorry yeah uh, I don't think anybody was anxious to jump on the Kim.com bandwagon, which is probably why it got shut down. But I do think it's interesting that uh, he seems incapable of recognizing that every time he makes a foray into music, it becomes a gigantic legal problem for him. <laughs> like you think he would try and do basically any other kind of startup or infuse money into any other kind of startup and, but I no. just I think they were just not profitable because the service itself seemed all right. It was it was like Spotify, but you can also oh no, it was rather it was more like Google Play Music where you could stream the music, but you could also just buy it through the service oh, directly. Yeah, and uh, you didn't have to go through a gatekeeper. You can just upload your music directly. I don't have to go through a distributor to get on there. Right. Um, which of course could be a problem with people just uploading other people's music, but. That I mean, you've got DMCA for that, so they yeah. they are all right. Also, they were run from Portugal, I believe, uh, at least somewhere in Europe. I believe it was Portugal. So even DMCA is like, whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. Uh, the we're way part of Pirate, that noise. The way Pirate Bay does it, um, but no, it just quietly went away, and I believe it was just it probably wasn't profitable because who was using that service? I didn't ever get many plays. The only place I ever gotten was when I released something new. It briefly hit the front page uh, for a day. P- some people clicked on it. Um, yeah, that was it. So uh, a little bit of real-time follow-up here about uh, music services and how they suck. <laughs> so uh, I just sent you that link to the file I uploaded on SoundCloud and I noticed like, oh, huh, I never changed my username from the default like user dash 20 digit number to my actual username. 
And now all the links to that file are broken because they now go to my username SoundCloud link and that user dash whatever link is defunct, disconnected from my account. So super cool, SoundCloud. Would it really have killed you to maintain that unique identifier with my account? Yeah. Uh, SoundCloud. <laughs> God damn it. It's just, this doesn't seem like a huge technical. Yeah, we'll talk about SoundCloud yeah. soon again on the show, I believe. Like they, uh, uh, I don't trust their existence for very long. <laughs> well, they keep showing up in the news for like really weird reasons and then disappearing with seemingly nothing being resolved from the thing that put them in the news in the first place. <laughs> and yet, they don't seem to die. Like they're like this zombie service that I'm sure they have dedicated users. They may even have lots and lots of dedicated users, but every time they're in the news, it's something bad. And then that thing doesn't get resolved. And yet the service hasn't died. So either it's uh, the so same s- thing with YouTube. Mm, yeah. But I mean, there's stories in the news about YouTube that are like such and such became a YouTube millionaire. This okay, video got like true. a billion views. Like there's at least some good press. What's the last good thing you heard about SoundCloud? Plus, Google stands up YouTube. I mean, it would have to tank catastrophically before Google would let YouTube die. SoundCloud yeah. is an island, as far as I know. Yeah, it's a it's a cloud all by itself in the sky. It's one lone <laughs> sound cloud. Terrible, absolutely terrible. So you recently got some new headphones for on the go, and I've heard you are you are quite deep in love with them. I'm deep in love with everything but the part that touches my ears. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's bad. Um, So I, when I became a podcaster, I suddenly started caring about headphones. um, And I have you and Mike to thank for uh, constantly being the angels on my shoulder of like, no, don't worry about that in this context. Worry about this other thing and like answering little questions for me. And I appreciate that tremendously. What you guys cannot do for me is fix my weirdly shaped ear holes. Uh, Mike likes to say that he won the genetic lottery and that like Apple ear pods actually fit his ears. And I, for every, you know, beautiful thing in the world, there has to be something completely horrible. And so Mike's got like normal shaped ears, I guess. And I have broken ones. And uh, I have, um, oh, they're not Jabra. They are JLab. I got JLab uh, Bluetooth Sport in-ear earbuds. Uh, I, I could throw you the link and we could toss it into the show notes. Um, but they are uh, really lightweight. Uh, they sit comfortably on the ears. The battery is excellent. The sound is what you expect from Bluetooth headphones. I mean, it's they're not studio headphones. <laughs> Um, but they look like a hat crap, like a what? <laughs> they look a bit like if you took the main body out of a hat crap and only had like the, if I got the right picture right now, do they go over the <laughs> ear? Oh, no, these are in ear. Show me what you're looking at. Oh yeah. No, not those. Okay. Yeah. No, these, these are like the, the dangly kind where it's like ah, you have okay. a wire that connects them, but the wire doesn't really do anything. Ah, it's just so um, you don't lose them. Take yeah, because the, Apple. The, these big solid plastic kind, like you just shared, like that has like a big fat battery in it. 
Um, the kind I have, there's a tiny battery and it's like shoved up into the electronics. So the battery doesn't last as long, but it's also they're lighter weight and smaller and it charges a little bit faster. And these get like nine real hours. Like they say 10 and I've used them for like eight plus. So I mean, they, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, the problem is they have these little, you know, the, the adjustable ear tips and the completely round ones don't stay in well enough. There's like these, you know, ribbed, ones that are it, it's kind of it's almost shaped like if you stacked like three cereal bowls on top of each other you know so you've got like little ridges uh those are the ones i'm using but after a certain amount of time they get startlingly uncomfortable like like i will be on a plane or i'll be out for a walk or something and all of a sudden i'm just like oh my god i'm in agony and then i have to take them out like i can't shift them there's no way i can kind of like budge them or push them further in or pull them further out like they kind of have to sit where they sit and it eventually becomes exceedingly uncomfortable so i don't know what to do about this like like i've tried uh custom like where you use the gel it's kind of like a silly putty and it like forms to your ear and that doesn't really do it for me like maybe i didn't do it yourself kit it was because I'm not going to pay a thousand dollars to get them from an audiologist. Well, you should. <laughs> so here's my problem. Uh, when I first started my new job and I, I knew I was going to be traveling a little bit more, I bought, um, Bose noise canceling in ear headphones and they are very expensive and they are very, very good. And they do exactly what they say on the tin. Like they really isolate you from your environment and they cancel out lots and lots of surrounding noise. Or they at least make it sound like it's a million miles away. Like I've had, you know, the sleeping baby right behind me or the, the crying baby right behind me on the plane. But they, I can hear them, but they sound super far away. So you just turn the music up loud enough and it's fine. But the problem is I pulled the ear cup off of, or I don't know, the, the, what do you call it? The ear bud, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. The little rubbery part. I pulled that off of the Bose headphones and I was like, oh, fuck it. Like, First off, I could swear on this show, so fuck, fuck it, fuck, fuck, fuck. So I was just like, fuck it. If I can just buy, I don't care how much Bose charges for these. I will buy their little earbuds and put them on my other earbuds. But no, they have a stupid little proprietary connector with a little piece of plastic that juts out. Yeah, so you can't use their little ear cup on regular headphones because they have the stupid little plastic thing. And I was like, no, wait, But they sell different kind of models. So you can go well, like to their website and it's like, well, here you go with the, I don't know, the pesky penetrator or something. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing. I could buy Bose Bluetooth in-ear. They make this kind of a product. But as you would expect, it costs like $300 for a pair of these. And I already have one $250 pair of headphones. I really don't want to buy another $300 pair of headphones just because I have like dainty little ear holes well Uh, uh, gotta get custom ones sorry well and so this is my main problem is i'm sure anybody listening to this has just been shouting cans just get cans get over ear cans oh my god you dumbass why don't you just get over ear cans because i spend a lot of time on planes and then when i get off the plane i have to put my headphones into my bag and i don't want big ass cans that i travel with i just i I I can't be that yeah I can't be that guy who walks around with 
gigantic studio cans around my neck all the time in public. I won't do it. Unless you can't fold them together. Didn't you also have those uh, those ones here, the August something something 650 that I recommended to you? Like you could fold them? Yes. They are kind of part of I mean, they're not the greatest headphones, but if you can get them with the features that you want and they're foldable, maybe that's what you can go for. So I have that exact set in red where you have like the steel gray. Um, but I have that set and they're not portable enough. Okay. And if you're, if you're in any kind of chair that has a high seat back, like where your head is actually touching it, like an airplane seat, uh. you're very aware that you have cans on. Like you are super <laughs> duper aware of it. Yeah. So I mean, is, is custom headphones my only option? Cause that's, I believe so. We just talked on flipping tables, which you should definitely check out this week about going the extra mile and paying for something very expensive that only does one exact thing better than the, uh, oh, God damn the, you, Matt. The other ones <laughs> and throwing my own words right back at me. Looks like you just, looks like you found your, your item that you want to save up to. To get the real good thing, the customized thing. Ugh, that sucks, because you're totally right. So I've I got to say, I never had any really custom-made uh, earplugs for on stage or something. I actually really just bought like the 20 bucks things that stick in your ears. They weren't necessarily comfortable, but I can play a gig with them. Like, it's not a problem. I'd rather have them than hearing loss at the age of 26. Um, Agreed. So... <laughs> I never really had a reason to get them than for like those cans that I'm wearing. Like I'm very glad that they are large enough to really my, my whole ear, uh, is in there. Like there's nothing touching. There's nothing being squeezed, but I also, yeah, I probably wouldn't run around with them and the other ones. Yeah. They're not too comfortable. I don't like wearing them anymore that much. I'm thinking about going back to earbuds, but. Again, yeah, they fall out. They don't shield you out as much. I'm kind of thinking about shoving that, uh, like renaming my MacBook Pro budget into mobile headphone budget right now. So I will tell you, if you want to try out earbuds to buy from somewhere that has a good return policy and then try the Bose in your ones. Yeah, just try them all and just send them all back covered in earwax. But the the Bose ones have there's two things. So they have the the little ear. I think it's called an ear hook. So it's not the kind that goes over the top of your ear. It's the kind that's actually inside and like hooks in, and it looks like a little like a like a little rainbow, and it like pokes you in the ear. Ouch. And when I first. Well, yes, it looks really stupid and it looks really uncomfortable. And then the first time I tried it, I was like, oh, no, this is incredibly well thought out and this works amazingly well. And then the other thing it does that I've never seen other earbuds that do this. Um, and if, please, I asked on Twitter and on Facebook and nobody was able to help me. If anybody knows a third party company that sells these, please tell me. Um, but the other thing that it does is instead of being like a little, um, you know, like most earbuds, they're kind of shaped like a little barrel. So it's like fatter in the middle and then narrower on the ends. And you sort of shove that into your ear. The Bose ones are shaped like, um, almost like a mushroom cap. So like it, it flares out 
from the part that goes in your ear. So the part that goes deepest in your ear is the narrowest and then it flares out, but it's very thin and very malleable. So when you shove it in there, it immediately like expands to fit the rest of your ear canal. And then the little hook thing hooks onto like a fleshy part of your ear and holds in place. Like, I don't know. I mean, these are very popular earbuds. Apparently most people either like them or tolerate them, but these are the only, literally the only earbuds I have ever had that were comfortable and stayed in my ear. I've had ones that were comfortable, but they fall out. I've had ones that stayed in, but they were not comfortable. These are the only ones I've ever had that did both of those things for me. And of course, they're like the most expensive earbuds available. Yeah. Ah, uh, you'll just have to wait and wait for the market to open up for that kind of niche. They must have some kind of crazy design patent that prevents people from making the, like, do. the flaring style. Because I've never, ever seen that on other earbuds. Yeah. Fuck patterns. Let's talk music. <laughs> Let's get to our picks of the week. <laughs> Since you're the guest, I'll let you start. Oh, I get to go first. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I've been, I've, I think I said this at the top of the show and I've definitely said this before is like, I love music and I love listening to music, but I am one of those crazy people who's like, this is what I'm listening to now. And that's all I listen to for like a year. And I hardly listen to any other music or any other, sometimes even any other songs. Like, I still have the same two like background work sounds that I've been listening to for like 20 months. And it's like, I need to get music work done. I'm going to put on these like three songs on repeat and just listen to them for 12 hours. Uh, but the thing that I've been obsessed with for a while is the musical Hamilton. Uh, Mike liked to make fun of me and say I was the first person to recognize that it was quality. You jackass. Uh, so. Uh, I'm sharing this, I'm sure with folks who have never heard of this, it's, it's a, an excellent musical, uh, by Lin-Manuel and I, uh, wasn't sure which song I wanted to pick from the, the whole thing. So I picked, uh, as my pick of the week, the song Right Hand Man, um, which is actually mostly not the Hamilton character singing. It's mostly the George Washington character singing. Um, but the, aside from the fact that it's a really good piece of music, uh, there's just this one thing in it. Uh, that I can kind of tie back to the, the headphones piece, which is, uh, there's a line, um, right after George Washington's talking about how, uh, they're getting just like massacred by the British. And he says, guns and horses, giddy up. I decide to divvy up my forces. And if you're listening on like crappy Apple headphones and you're on a bus, you probably can't hear it. But if you're on like quality headphones or isolating headphones or you're in like a quiet environment, very kind of softly in the background, there's the sound of a horse like whinnying, like you would imagine like George Washington, like pulling back on the reins and it like rears up its front legs, but it's like remixed the way you would on like a hip hop album where there's like cuts to it and it like pops back and it's very, very subtle and it's fast and it's only done once in the entire musical. And I just thought like, oh my God, that is so like such a goofy little detail, but you can't possibly notice that kind of thing if you're not listening closely and on decent headphones and like that's the kind of polish that is just all throughout that musical and i i think like even if you're not a big i know you're not a big musicals person but I'm even not. if you're not a big musicals person if you appreciate music there's lots of fine little polish all throughout um so it's, it's a musical and it's hip-hop so for a lot of people that's like two strikes but did you get a chance to listen to this before we recorded i did but i think our listeners should also get to listen to it so here's a little clip from that song 
the kid in the Caribbean, I wished for a war. I knew that I was poor, I knew it was the only way to rise up. If they tell my story, I am either gonna die on the battlefield in glory or rise up. I will fight for this land, but there's only one man who can give us a command so we can rise up. Understand, it's the only way to rise up, rise up. Here he comes. Here comes the general. Ladies and gentlemen. Here comes the general. The moment you've been waiting for. Here comes the general. The pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general. To Washington. We are outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. So yeah, I got to listen to it. But before I talk about this song, you mentioning that you sometimes listen to just one thing throughout a year. Reminded me of this uh, 4chan screen cap of this guy who listened to Linkin Park in the end for like 64,000 times. Oh and God. in the course, in the course of this uh, thread, he posted a different screenshot where in between those two screenshots, there were like, and there's another play that happened. And it all culminates <laughs> into the two lines I like the song, I don't like other songs. <laughs> I don't, I know that song. I don't think I'd want that to be my, my getting things done song. Um, but I, I can totally identify with this. It, I heard on like some, some life hack blog or something. Somebody was like, Hey, if you like to listen to music while you work, try just one song on repeat. Cause then your brain doesn't notice like, Oh, it's a new song or, Oh, I love this song. Like it just totally zones out and turns into a kind of white noise. So yeah. it's like, it's like souped up white noise, but. And 64,000 plays of in the end. He's got, this guy's going to figure out if there's going to be an integer overflow in iTunes. Yeah, seriously. He's coming up. Well, I'm sure but since that screenshot was taken, I'm sure he's listened to it another 10,000 times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, I, I also like to... Uh, some. There was a brief phase where I listened to an old album of mine to fall asleep to because I knew every single detail of those songs i could completely zone out but let's get to this song yeah i'm i completely admit i'm not really a musical guy but i really enjoyed this number but what i really admired the most and you dug deep into like those minute details is it is such a clear and such a clean production i um i only listened to so i listened to the first half on my speakers because i was still setting up and then i was getting ready so i listened to the second half on my headphones and it's so clear and the <laughs> it's it's a kind of the the way that even the voices you can have the raspiest voice ever through this setup these people had it would sound so delicious and so <laughs> soft like it uh, th there's a reason why um there is a isotope um um, um plugin called nectar because it's like honey <laughs> for your voice and really this is Wow, we, how far have we gotten in audio production to get a production that sounds this clean? You're so in there. And I can imagine like listen to this on like 3D headphones, like surround sound or whatever, or maybe even binaural. Um, <laughs> it would be surreal. It would probably bridge the uncanny valley of reality. My favorite part of this piece was probably around three minute 40. There was some muted guitars and, uh, this brought me back to listening to, um, while I'm not a musical guy, I like to listen to, uh, what it was, War of the Worlds. I'm not sure if that's the name in English. Uh, 
Uh, it's not a musical I know of. <laughs> no, it's not not that. But uh, it, um, the one they did a radio play on, and people called in thinking it was a real news report. Oh, yeah, there was a musical for War of the Worlds. Not really musical. It was more like a uh, an album, like a musical album that told the story. Yes, it was Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the Worlds. You should check that out. You would like it. Oh no, I definitely will. It really reminded me of a lot of that, and it's like especially those muted guitars—they really brought me back. I love muted guitars. <laughs> oh yeah, son of a gun, nineteen seventy-eight. Jeez. Yeah, Jeff Wayne's. Oh, I'm. You, you should listen to that. It's good. So my pick of the week uh, is from a video game, and I know I know you like video game soundtracks, so I thought, hey. Throw something to lines there. Uh, it's from the video game or the computer game Crypt of the Necromancer. Have you played the game? Do you know of it? Do you know what it is about? I haven't, but I'm really glad you said this is video game music because the second I heard this song, I was like, I want to play whatever game this is from. So it's oh, you want to play? You say that. So maybe I should describe the game real quick before we listen to the song because the song kind of speaks for itself. It's a roguelike. Uh, it's completely randomized. Every time you play it, it's different. Um, it's uh, not really insta-death, but you can play it with modifiers that are insta-death. And you move around the dungeon. It's a 2D top-down. And you have to move in rhythm with the song. Because if you do that, you get like multipliers, stronger attacks, bonuses just in general. And then you've got like modifiers. I I figured I, I saw this game first at an AGDQ where somebody ran it on the hardest difficulty. Where if you do not move to the song in rhythm, you die instantly. Oh, also, you cannot touch gold, which you normally would like to collect. <laughs> like it was so insane. And the music is just crazy good. The original soundtrack is by Danny Baranowski, but they kind of did like spin-off soundtracks by other artists who like remixed them or just like reimagined them. But I kind of like the original most. This is Cryptic by or Cryptic, Crypt, how do it Discotake, so Cryptic uh, by Danny Baranowski. <laughs> So what did you think of the song? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't have, unfortunately we, we recorded on like a, a short schedule. So like I got to listen to the whole song. I even made a point to listen to it on like my decent cans so I could like get into it a little bit. And the second it started playing, cause you sent me the Spotify link and that plays like, you know, a random like eight seconds of the song. And I heard that and I was like, man, this game sounds awesome. And like I brought it up in Spotify and actually, you know, listen to the song start to finish. And I was like, this has got to be a video game soundtrack, right? Like I can, I didn't, I honestly, I didn't imagine a roguelike, but I immediately felt immersed in like whatever action would be happening. I was like, some, something is happening while this music is playing. This is not dance music. This is not sit around and listen music. This is not driving music. Like this is video game score. And 
I wish I could, I, I knew more about composition that I could say what made it feel like I should be doing a thing as opposed to just, I should be like watching a thing. But yeah, the, the second I started listening to it, I was just like, yeah, let's, let's not record. Like, let's go play video games. Let me tell you why it works. It has a very hard, um, focus on the rhythm. So it, it has a shuffling rhythm, like, so it's, it's got like a triplet swingy rhythm that, that already like gives you like a push forward more than just a straight rhythm. And then it has those synths that happen. That's why I probably love the song. I love everything that's syncopated. That's like off the beat. You expect like, okay, everything's now going to be on. And then you have synths that happen in between those. And it's like kind of throws you off balance, but then you kind of get into the feel. And especially since it's a rhythm game. And by the way, it's on sale right now on Steam. Yeah, I actually just brought up Steam Link and I was like $5, like no question. I don't even have to think about it. Um, this is kind of the, uh, electro version of the song. So there are, I, I, uh, I believe there's like certain areas in, in the stage where the whole composition turns into the same song, but the instruments are more like heavy guitars and a drum set and it goes into like heavy metal territory and it kind of morphs between those two. It's just a very great implementation of a dynamic soundtrack in a video game and the soundtrack itself is also great just by itself it's perfect well and so we're we're not sponsored by these folks but uh not only is the song on or that song not only is the game on sale for 494 which seems like a dead giveaway because how often do you get even a few minutes of entertainment for five dollars but the extended collector's edition which includes uh, a bunch of DLC crap and also bonus versions of the soundtracks, three different versions of the soundtracks, like for only $11 and 54 cents. Like, yeah, this is, if I wasn't worried about interfering with the Skype latency, I would just be pressing buy right now, like during the (laughs) recording. Well, I guess we should come to an end then. So it was great having you. Um, thank you. Those were so uh, behind the scenes here. We just recorded two episodes back to back, flipping tables and bits and pieces. Uh, but yeah, we did it. We We got. (laughs) So this was bits and pieces episode sixty-seven. As always, you can follow our bits and pieces playlist on Spotify. You will have both of these tracks in there from our picks of the week. Also, you can check out the show notes of this episode at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 67, where you can also find links to this, uh, one of our favorite services, uh, song link right now. So it doesn't matter what service you listen to music on. If those songs are on there, you will find it through that link. It's pretty, pretty nifty, actually. While you're there, you can subscribe using your favorite podcatcher if you haven't already. Maybe you're listening to this on the website. I sometimes do, I admit. Uh, but if you want to listen to this on the go, you never want to miss an episode, you should check out the RSS or iTunes button. And we'll take you to your podcatcher right away and you can just subscribe. Also, we love feedback. Mike isn't on the show. He loves feedback. But you're Lions. You're on the show. Uh, you can find Lions on Twitter at... Lions in Beta. And I'm, of course, at Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. But you can also support the whole network. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash sunrise robot, you can chip in a little bit if you want, or a little bit more if you want to, so we can keep the lights on, the <laughs> tapes running. Uh, Mike uh, described on a previous episode how we always have tapes running in the background, even if they don't record anything. We just have reel-to-reel tape just spinning, causing interferences. Yeah, it's just going all the time. It, it, right. it looks like a 1960s NASA in here all yeah. day. It keeps the tubes warm, the sound warm. That's what we want. 
<laughs> and of course, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joe Edwards. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>